0: Father, this night of all nights is a night to bring you praise and glory and honor. It's an incredible night of reflection. A night to remember what you did for all of us. Every one of us in the room. We're sinners desperately needing saved by grace. No other way, no other hope, no other price does the Father require but death. And you took our place and we're incredibly grateful. Words seem inadequate in light of what you've done. I trust during this hour tonight, as we reflect on what that evening was like for you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, may this be a night where you receive glory and praise, a night where we remember exactly what you ask us to do. Every time we do this, we do it in memory of you. And so tonight we do. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. I too want to welcome you here tonight. We're honored to have you. If you're visiting us for the first time, we're exceptionally thrilled that you're here tonight. Looking for a place to gather and worship on Sunday morning. We're here, 8 o'clock, 9.30, and 11 this particular Sunday, which is different than normal. But on Easter Sunday, we wanted to make sure that we accommodated everyone. We have a nursery available tonight. If you need that, especially if you're visiting and don't know normally what we have available in the nursery and a toddler room this evening, if you walk out that door to your right, someone will give you directions. Tonight and Sunday, we celebrate the two greatest events in the history of Christianity. The death of Christ on the cross is God's required price for our sin and the resurrection of Jesus. These two events separate us from every other religion on the planet. A Messiah who was willing to take our place and a Savior who rose from the dead. Paul said, without the resurrection of Christ, we're still dead in our sins and our faith is useless. But he did raise Christ from the dead and because he lives, we do as well. The events of this particular week began to unfold exactly as Jesus predicted that it would. Sunday morning we left off in the triumphal entry of Jesus and began to walk Sunday night, Sunday morning through the experiences of the week. Everything went off exactly as Jesus said it would. He moved from the crowd at the triumphal entry to some very quiet moments with his disciples. Matthew, Mark, and Luke all describe the meal as we know as the Lord's Supper. John seems to describe a fellowship meal. Theologians differ on whether or not it was the exact same night or whether it was two separate nights, but John seems to describe to us a little bit of a different event. The story is found in John 13. It was a Passover right before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that an hour had come and he was to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the very end. The evening meal was in progress and The devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up. He took off his outer garment and he wrapped himself in a towel. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. What's intriguing about that event, especially as John puts it in this particular context, if indeed it was two separate events where this Passover meal described in John 13 and then another meal, what we know as the Last Supper in Luke chapter 22, Luke tells us the very next time, the very next night that they gathered together, at the Last Supper in Luke 22, they argued among themselves who was to be the greatest. They had just seen that. They had seen the ultimate demonstration of what real servanthood was all about. And the very next night, they're arguing about who's going to be the greatest. It's easy to look at them and say, how could you do that after what you just saw? Until we began to examine our own lives. Then every once in a while, out of the greatest lessons that Jesus teaches us, and the most incredible demonstration of love that he could ever give to us, we too at times have done the same. After that response in Luke chapter 22, Jesus said to the disciples, The kings of the Gentiles lorded over them, and those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors, but you're not to be like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest, the one who rules like the one who serves. For who's greater, the one who's at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who is at the table, but I among you am the one who serves? John gives us, I believe, some of the most incredible chapters written in the New Testament. He tells us what Jesus talked about during those meals. If you were here last Sunday, I said to you at the very end of John, the last verse of the book of John, he says, if I were to tell you everything Jesus did, the libraries of the world couldn't contain it, but he does give us a glimpse. And from John 14, 15, 16, and 17, we have some unbelievable insights into the heart of Jesus just a few hours or a few days before he was to be betrayed. It's in John 14 when he comes to his disciples and said, I know you're troubled. I don't want you to be troubled. have got a promise for you, one you can't even imagine. In my Father's house, as I go to prepare a place, I'm preparing it for you. But I'll return, and I'll come back, and I'll take you to myself. It's the famous verse in John 14, 6 when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. He goes on in that chapter to give us one of the most amazing promises in all of Scripture, and that is the promise of the Holy Spirit. John 14, 15, and 16 all describe to us the fact that Jesus is not going to leave us alone. He's going to send us an incredible power through the power of the Holy Spirit. To do all of this, to do the life and live the life that he's calling us to, he said, though, you have to stay connected to me. And that's that famous passage of Scripture in John 15 when he said, I'm divine, you're the branches, you got to stay connected to me. And obviously in the middle of all of that, before and afterwards, is almost bookends to a powerful statement in John 15, he talks to us about the promised Holy Spirit. He finishes that night after saying all of that, By saying, I came from the Father and I entered the world. Now I'm leaving the world and going back to the Father in John 16. Then the disciples said to him, now you're speaking clearly without figures of speech. Now we can see that you know all things and that you don't have any need to have anyone ask you questions. This makes us believe that you came from God. In one translation, at the end of all that says, Jesus, now you believe? Three years with Jesus? And essentially they're saying, now we get it. What you're going to demonstrate and experience tonight in these moments together is a lot of what went on in that upper room. And I sometimes, like Jesus, need those vivid reminders of what it's all about. As he says to them, now, after all of this, you believe? He prays with them. And at the end of John 17, he prays for us. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who believe in me through their message, that all of them would be one, Father, as, just as you and I are one. May they be also in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me. May they be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought into complete unity. Then the world will know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory that you gave me because you loved me before the creation of the world. In that final meal with the disciples in Luke 22, he took the bread. He gave thanks and he broke it. And he said to them, This is my body given for you. This do in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup. And he said, This cup is a new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. When Paul shares his rendition of this supper room experience. He said you do this every time you do it in memory of him. Paul goes on to say that before you do that, though, you ought to examine yourself. Take that opportunity to reflect, to look inside, to make sure your relationship with God is what you want it to be and what he wants it to be, and then eat the bread and drink the cup. We don't always give the opportunity to do that on a Sunday morning when we celebrate communion. Tonight we do. And so the next 15 minutes, literally 15 minutes, three songs, we're going to share communion. What we're asking you to do as Justin leads us in singing is somewhere during that 15 minutes. As you sing with us, as you reflect, as you let him sing, whatever it is that you sense you want to do during those moments together, we want you to spend time in reflection. And then wherever you are, not necessarily in order from front to back, but wherever you are, we want you to get up. We have four tables set aside so that each of you can participate. You may want to wait till the crowd dies down. You may want to stand in line. Either way is fine. As come as a family. It's a wonderful opportunity for you to celebrate together. Break off some of the bread. Dip it in a cup. Take it where you are. Eat it. Swallow it. And then return to your seat. Anywhere during those times together. If indeed you need gluten-free, it's over here on my right. I encourage you to spend some quiet moments with Jesus during these moments. Whether you do it right away or anywhere during those 15 minutes. But come Break off the bread, dip it in the cup, partake of communion, and return to your seat, and we will continue. Father, that night as Jesus took those elements, I've often wondered what it was like for you to look down and know that that bread was going to represent his body, which in the next hours would be battered and beaten and hung on a cross. But you knew that was the only way. And so you willingly gave your son so that we could have life. You already knew, Father, your required price for sin to be eradicated and it was the blood. And so your son gave that as well. As he began to pass out those elements to his disciples and they began to partake that night, I've often wondered what it was like for you to look down and to know that everything you had planned and he had planned and the Spirit had planned for generations gone by was about to be filled and fulfilled that night. Now, 2,000 years later, after that event has taken place in hundreds of thousands of churches and times down through the ages, the power and wonder to me is still incredible. And so tonight, as we take these elements that remind us of your sacrifice, may you capture us as well with your love and your grace. Pour it out beyond measure so that we can have life and have it forever. Jesus, thank you for giving your all so that we could have everything. And tonight, we take these elements as you've asked us to do in memory of you. for that meal, Jesus said, you have no idea how much I look forward to this night, and watching you come forward now, I know why. Matthew, Mark tells us that after the meal, they sang a hymn. It wasn't the old rugged cross, it was a halal, it's Psalms, from Psalm 115 to 118. Listen to some of the words that almost certainly they shared that night as they were leaving that upper room and headed toward Gethsemane. Not unto us, Lord, not unto us, but to your name be glory, because of your love and faithfulness. I love the Lord, for he heard my voice. He heard my cry for mercy, because he turned his ear to me. I will call on him as long as I live. The cords of death entangled me, and the anguish of the grave came over me. I was overcome by distress and sorrow, and then I called on the name of the Lord. The Lord is gracious and righteous, full of compassion. He protects the unweary. When I was brought low, he saved me. Return to your rest, my soul, for the Lord has been good to you. For you, Lord, have delivered me from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling, that I might walk before the Lord in the land of the living. Praise to the Lord, all ye nations. Extol him, all you people. For great is his love toward us, and the faithfulness of the Lord lasts forever. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this, and it's marvelous in our eyes. The Lord has done it this very day. Let us rejoice and be glad. Lord, save us. Lord, grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. For the house of the Lord, we bless you. The Lord is God. He has made us his light to shine on us. You are my God, and I will praise you. You are my God, and I will exalt you. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. That's what they sang that night on their way to Gethsemane. The Gospel of John goes right to the betrayal. Matthew, Mark, and Luke tell us the details of the intensity of that time in the Garden of Gethsemane. Luke tells us, the only one who tells us, that he prayed so intently that God had to send an angel from heaven to minister to him. The strength in him. Verse 44 said, Being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. Three times he prayed. Three times. Not once, not twice, three times. Lord, is there any other way? Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me. And then yet my, not my will but yours be done. I honestly have said on a number of occasions the pause between those statements had to be one of the longest heaven ever knew. What you and I experience and what you and I read in those particular categories in these contexts here in those three times that he prayed, Father, if you're willing, take this from me, is the visual demonstration of what Philippians tells us when it said he set aside his divinity to embrace humanity. You now need to understand when we celebrate this night and watch the life of Jesus is that he did this as a human. Philippians tells us he set aside his divinity. So when he calls us to sacrifice and he calls us to lay down our all to follow him, he modeled it. Not easy to do it because he was God. He did it because he was human. He set his divinity aside, Philippians tells us, three times. God, is there some other way? Knowing what he was about to face, his humanity is obviously displayed. And then, out of sheer obedience, that interestingly enough, his mother stated when she was about to bear the child, remember? He said, Lord, whatever you want, I'll do. Not my will, but thine be done, he says. Then comes the betrayal, the arrest, the cutting off of the servant's seal ear and Jesus healing it. then the denial of Peter not once not twice but three times finally saying I don't even know the man And interestingly enough only Luke points it out Luke chapter 22 when he said the Lord at that moment turned and looked straight at Peter and Peter remembered the word that God had spoken to him before the rooster crows today he was so me three times he Goes outside and weeps bitterly the guards take him they mock him they spit on him They beat him with their fists. They beat him with a staff. He goes before the chief priests. Some feel he spent the night in a pit in Caiaphas, the high priest's house. Some theologians feel he may have even quoted Psalm 88 that reads this way. Lord, you are my God. You're the only one who can save me. Day and night I cry out to you. May my prayer come before you. I'm overwhelmed with trouble. My life draws near to death. I'm counted among those who go down to the pit. I am the one without strength. I am set apart with the dead, like the slain who lie in the grave, whom you remember no more. You put me in the lowest pit in the darkest depths. Your wrath lays heavy on me. You've overwhelmed me with all your waves. You've taken from me my closest friends. I am confined and cannot escape. My eyes are dim with grief. But I cry to you for help. Why, Lord, do you reject me and hide your face from me? Your wrath has swept over me. Your terrors have destroyed me. All day long they surround me like a flood. They have completely engulfed me. You have taken from me my friend. Darkness is my closest friend. He goes to Pilate, to Herod, back to Pilate, neither of which found any reason to condemn him, but succumbed to the crowd and sent him off to be crucified on a cross between two thieves. Seven phrases the four Gospels give us that Jesus shared that day on the cross. To the thief, one on the one side and one on the other, one rejecting him and criticizing him, the one pleading out to him, he said, Today, you'll be with me in paradise. Luke tells us that he looked down from the cross and said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. John 19, I'm thirsty. John 19, near the cross stood his mother, his mother's sister Mary, the wife of Cleopas and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, woman, here's your son. And to the disciple, here's your mother. And from that time on, John took Mary into his home. Mark 15, my God, my God, quoting Psalm 22, why have you forsaken me? John 19, it is finished. I've completed everything you sent me here to do in that small 3 Word, phrase, it's finished. Everything you sent me here to do, I've done. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And when he said that, he breathed his last. John 19 tells us that because the Jewish leaders didn't want the bodies left on the cross during the Sabbath, they asked Pilate to have the legs broken and the bodies taken down. But when the soldiers came to Jesus and found that he had already died, they didn't break his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, bringing a sudden flow of blood and water. As evening approached, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who had himself become a disciple of Jesus. Going to Pilate, he asked for Jesus' body, and Pilate ordered that it be given to him. Joseph took the body, wrapped it in a clean linen cloth, placed it in his own new tomb that he had cut out of the rock. He rolled a big stone in front of the entrance to the tomb, and he walked away. Father, we are so grateful that you so loved us, that you gave your one and only son so that we could have life and have it forever. That we could have our sins forgiven and cleansed and washed away. That we would have the opportunity to start all over again, to be renewed and redeemed and set free from all the bondage and all the baggage that has weighed us down. So Father, tonight we commemorate Incredible night that you were willing to give your all so that we could have life. I can't even begin to tell you how so grateful I am that tonight didn't end here, but that you rose from the dead and that we get to come together on Sunday morning and celebrate the resurrection. And because you live, we live too. Tonight we thank you for your cross, we thank you for your love, we thank you for your amazing grace for the opportunity to remember you and what you have done for us. I can't wait for Sunday when we can celebrate life and what you've given. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you so very much for coming tonight. i going to go out quietly and mingle in the hall. That would be great. But if you want to go out quietly, anybody who still hasn't been taken yet can do that. And uh, we'd love to have you Sunday morning, 8 o'clock, 9.30, 11 Get those times because they're different than normal on a Sunday morning. God bless you. Thank you with all my heart for coming tonight.